you can see that the metal probably goes all the way through the handle. Ah, uh, all right. So it's probably legit. You could probably kill some zombies with that. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Got a couple of things that will probably help out here. So, yeah, it's just a fun one. Damn, there's a fucking knife on that one. That's yeah, dude, this AK, this is a... This one I got at the uh, flea market. Uh, not the flea market. Everything's at the flea market or at the gun show here. But like uh, this, I got was my first rifle I got at the at the gun show. It was like a like four hundred bucks, and it was all like wood, and then like on the, the front, and I just changed it out. Just took it, put put metal on it. But I kept the bayonet. The bayonet came with it. I don't know how much it would go for now, but I, I know four hundred bucks was a steal now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, man, it's all my fun stuff. It's right? only gone up in value, man. Guns yeah, getting expensive now. Right, right. It's getting uh, getting weird, getting a little funky. Put on your headphones real quick just to see how you sound, how you feel. Go check, check. There we go. All right, sounds all right. There you go. How you sound, Cody? You can pull that. You can move it. It's pretty. Good. Hello, testing, testing. Check there. Testing, testing. All right, there you go. Let me go ahead and move that. The rain in Spain stays mainly on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and then, if you want, you could slide your chair up so you can lean back. Son, is that is that all right for you? Good idea. And then you can move it too. There you go. Hey, Cody, can you talk a little bit. Um, talking a little bit. There you go. Stuff. Perfect. Perfect. All right, cool, man. Well, welcome to Off the Map Podcast. Where we talk about anything and everything jujitsu related. Some things not. We've been tried a little bit further. I got uh, two awesome guests with me, man. My good friend. Uh, I've known him for quite some time in the jujitsu scene. He's always been successful um, every time I've seen him compete and even venture as far as uh, coaching. Like his guys do good too. So, um, without further ado, with my two guests here, I got Cody Hofstetter and my good friend Chris. Uh, games, game day, right? Game day, yes, awesome, man. He came in here, a friend. Uh, came on on with Cody, man. Talk to us a little bit about yourself, brother. Like, uh, man, I've known you for about 12, 13 years. Just you know, from I think it started off with Rodrigo Pinheiro, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, back when I think the first time we met was when you guys would have the the in house tournaments at Brazilian Top Team and. I used to fight your buddy Quinn to the death all the time. <laughs> yeah. You were always super, super cool. Um, you were always super welcoming. I actually tried to go and uh, train there a little bit, but there are too many politics, and uh, Brazilians don't like people from other schools training with them. And, um, but, but we always got, got along famously. You are always a real cool guy. And uh, always bumped into you at competitions. Um, I was telling Game Day that uh, the last time I, I ran into you was probably like the San Antonio Open back when I was like a brown belt. Yeah. Maybe yeah. like four or five years ago. and That was a good while back. And yeah. I've seen, I've followed you on social media, so it's weird because that that's like a... It feels like I ran into you at tournaments maybe just a couple months ago. But, yeah, it was a, quite some time before COVID and everything. So what have you been doing since since those tournaments? So like, uh, I know you've traveled and you've done quite a bit. Um, you you uh, didn't stay in San Antonio. You started venturing out. You moved. And uh, where were some of your places you stopped at, man, to get some of your training? Yeah, I, I moved from San Antonio to Albuquerque. 
I lived there for six years. I um, fought out of Jackson's. I got my black belt at Gracie Baja under Barata over there. Um, when I was a, a brown belt, I was doing a lot of competitions because um, I wanted to earn my black belt on the podium. I wanted to like win worlds or something and yeah. and get my black belt the right way. And that's why that's where I ran into you at, at the San Antonio Open. We were talking about um, at the the twilight of my brown belt career. I was I was competing as much as possible, and I think I did like. Uh, 12 competitions within like uh, a 16 week period or something what? so I thought you were gonna say 16 months because that's still super active but 16 no, weeks yeah i was getting after it. once a week almost you had a break every third or fourth <laughs> every week. now and then yeah, yeah. and um but you're super good like if people don't know cody hofstetter like you have competed and you've had a successful career both in jujitsu and um i don't i i've seen you i don't want to say that you've uh that i've seen your mma fights but you've also you've also gotten the cage right yeah yeah i have a couple of fights um i've i've done okay um a big problem with my MMA was I never really had good coaches mm-hmm. um, so when did you start your when was your first MMA fight then and did you real when did you realize that the first MMA fight was when I was here in San Antonio when I was training with Rodrigo and Pete Spratt and I was like a, a blue belt at the time mm-hmm. and I told Pete I'm like hey I'm interested in fighting and he was like, oh, you want to fight? I'll get you a fight. And like a month later, I had a professional fight against, I was the main event and I was against like the top contender in in the state at 155, which was my walk around weight. So you've never stepped in the cage at that level before, and that's amateur fight. So technically, you've it never... was professional. I had never fought amateur. Jesus Christ! But I told my coach I wanted to fight, and this was the fight he got me. That's uh, that's like sending a message back to somebody whenever you do that. Like, I want to fight. Like, oh, you want to fight? Yeah. You get a fight like that because you. There's so many ways to go about that. I have, and that's a good topic. I probably have like a whole separate episode, or maybe this might even be it. But I like um. Yeah, I, I think this might be a good episode for it. Like, whenever you start your career in MMA, there's there's tears, right? For sure. So if you have, like, good coaches, if they recognize that, then they help you out with that. Not necessarily help you fight cans until you, you know, or, or, you know reach a, a title that you, you want, but continue to raise the level even in opponents if you want to be a good coach and... Yeah, is that what you kind of touch and base on? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And um, yeah, I never got had an amateur career. I, I never had any amateur fights. Um, I, I just started out, out fighting pros. Um, and, and, you know, I didn't do bad, but I didn't do good. And so so much of the success of my team and and my fighters had not only is is 
me learning from from the amazing coaches I had in over at Jackson's, but but not doing what my shitty coaches did with me and yeah. and not only learning what to do from the good coaches but what not to do from the bad coaches. Yeah, because those are lessons in itself, right? To help you be more effective. For sure. Depending, uh, even if you're a student, you have that kind of uh, vision. Or one day you step in uh, on the the shoes of uh, the coach and you know like, hey, this is the, this is what fucked me up before. Like, why would I put my guys through something like that? So that makes total sense. And you you did we we got Chris here and you mentioned you you pat him on the shoulder, right? Um, tell us a little bit about your guy. This is not your team. Is your teammate, of course, but he's your student, right? Yes, Chris. Tell us a little bit about yourself, brother. I don't want you to stay quiet and have just tell. <laughs> hey, Cody, tell me about him. Like you're in a, in yeah, a cage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Um, my name is Christian Game Day Emmons. Um, I've been fighting for two years now. This is my second year with Cody. Um, I have five wins, one loss. Um, let's see. I have two-time MMA champion. Um, Are you currently the champ? I'm currently the champ oh, in what Fury FC. Nice, okay. And I'm the uh, current bantamweight champion in peak fighting. That's well. awesome. And they're based out of in, in Arkansas. And Fury, they do they do amateur and pro, or is it only pro? Uh, they do ami and pro. Okay. And are you, I don't know if you said it already. I'm an amateur. Amateur yeah. right now. Man, that's cool, though. That's that's awesome. So five and one, and then you got two titles already. Do you have any uh, plans on going pro eventually? Like, when, like uh, when would you plan on doing that, and what do you think is going to be the, the point that the stage where you're like, all right, it's time? Um, I don't, I don't like to really put like a time frame on it. Yeah. Um, I like to just stay patient. Um, I, I've accomplished a lot in two years, but uh, uh like you said before, like y'all 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 just talked about, there's uh, there's tiers, there's levels, and I understand that. You know, I can see the game from a whole thing thanks to my coach. He kind of just gives it to me all. Mm-hmm. So um, it's important. Yeah. So I, I um I, right now like I like to think of this as an amateur, like as college. And I'm yeah. I'm a sophomore in college, so this is my second year. Okay. And I want to take a take a couple more years, maybe a few more years, and then uh, uh, if if the coaches think I'm ready, then then yeah, I'll make the jump. But yeah, like I said, I'm not I'm not gonna make the jump too soon. I'm gonna stay patient, keep beating up these Ammies, uh, keep collecting belts. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, just tackle a lot of sports and yeah. um, make sure I'm really ready. And I think that's smart. I think that's a a good approach. I think uh, whenever it comes to being uh, playing the role of the student or the or the coach, I think that's a, a pretty good answer because you you have an idea, but you're not the one that's uh, kind of saying this is what it is. Is there anything that you might see, Cody, that like not to not to exploit him because it's all strategy? But is there a certain something in your mind you're like, yeah, I can imagine by a certain point this guy's going to be achieving this, and we're going to take another step. And do you have that with all your guys? Like everybody that kind of comes in, it's like I want to do this, and they start going through that process of taking fights um so so i have ex- I've, I've been coaching for a while um i've already coached several professional champions in pretty big organizations so i i realize you know that a, an amateur career is important and it is a stepping stone but in the big picture it's really nothing and yeah. there, there's so many guys who do good at amateurs and are amateur 
champs who go pro too soon mm-hmm. without without uh, a diverse skill set or without enough experience, and they just kind of flounder in the pros. Yeah. Um, you can find a lot of success being skilled at one thing at amateur. Yeah, then, especially in Texas. The yeah. the level of fighting in Texas uh, technically is really low. We have really good boxing. We have really good jujitsu. There's some kickboxing. There's a little bit of wrestling. A lot more than there used to be. Yeah, when, which when, is sad because wrestling's not in high schools here. But you know, you go to like Oklahoma or up north. And it's you can get a, a degree doing that, so it, it promotes kids going into that. So that that spurs, you know, some kids that just have a little bit of a background, and that's something that's not here in Texas yet. So yeah, we're more of a football state, yeah. and and it's just cool too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's money in football. <laughs> there's money. Like if game day was like, I want to be a professional football player, and he actually had a chance, I'd be like, hell, go do that. You'll make. Yeah more money in one year of playing football than you will your entire life in fighting. Yeah. But... Um, At this stage of it, right? For sure. Um, I, 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 I want to make champions. Yeah. I, I want to make professional champions. And there's no participation trophies in fighting. And it, it's... It's a very unforgiving sport and too many people um, have coaches who are blowing smoke up their ass and being nice to them and don't want to hurt their feelings and and I uh, all of my my athletes I give it to them straight and I'm trying to prepare them for the harsh realities in that cage yeah. and um that that's my that's my gift as a coach that that's why I'm a good coach and that's why my guys are, are winning and that's why they have such a good attitude and level heads and they're not in a rush to go pro because they, they know you know how deep it goes they know how yeah. deep the the water goes and and I, I, I tell these guys all the time, like, you might have, you know, a few amateur belts, you might have a couple of wins, but the people you fought were nothing and you have so much more to go. And if you start getting a big head now, you're not going to last. And it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I say that I talk about that a lot, too, and that say that exact same thing. Right. So it's not a. It's a pretty popular saying, but it's one of those things that it's it's timeless at the same time, right? You got to make sure you're in it for the long haul. So, uh, what got you into it, Cody? Like uh, before you were doing before you were doing this, like uh, what were some of the things that kind of made you like uh, led you up to combat sports? And what's your what's your main uh, martial art that you kind of your main discipline? I guess you would say. Are you focused on ground? You strike more. Oh, me. Oh, did I say Cody? I meant to say Chris. My fault. Um, Game day, my yeah, bad. Yeah, I'm a freestyle martial artist. Um, okay. Yeah, I like to... Um, I, I, I do them all, but I mix them all. Um, that's my art. Yeah. Uh, an American martial artist. Um, yeah. I've been classically trained by uh, the best coaches in every aspect. And, and I mean every aspect. MMA is its own aspect. I have the best MMA coach. 
I have the best jujitsu coaches. I have the best wrestling coaches. I have the best uh, nutritionists, the best strength and conditioning coaches. And these are all individual coaches that, that trained me for, for each aspect. And, uh, yeah, I don't like to um, obsess over one art and uh, become, like, a specialist. Um, yeah. I, I, I like to tell myself I'm a generalist. Um, I I, uh, I want to master all the arts, and I want to mix them all together. I want to, like, Imanari roll someone and then upkick them in the face and then just get, like, a sick knockout that way, you know? Gotcha. Spinning yeah. heel kick someone into, like, a double leg. You know, just mix it up and then, like, really um, express myself in the cage. So, so like, that's my art. Like Ryan Hall with the entries, but Kevin Holland with the get-up. Exactly, yeah, man. I got you. I got you. I could see that coming up. You can, like, knock the hell out of Jacare on the, you know what I mean? From, like, <laughs> that, a crazy That's angle. where the sport's going. It's like, it's... No, I agree. I, I can I can totally see that. That's a smart That's a smart answer because it's, uh, if you were to say, like, oh, I'm, I'm jujitsu-based... And then it's like, okay, well, then that means you got work to do whenever somebody sprawls on you, right? So exactly. it's important. It's important. It's not as easy as just like uh, asking, like, what's your favorite part of jujitsu? Because, like, there is that. But and we're uh, fighting Russians and shit who don't even play jujitsu. You know, they're, yeah, they're doing that shit where they're spinning, heel kicking you in the leg, belly, yeah. and then, then they're MR rolling you, and then they're wrestling you, and it's just, they're suplexing you on your neck, and it's just like, oh. That's so cool. I wanna I wanna like implement the same style. That's who you're training with, or that's who you're fighting. No, that's who we're gonna be fighting. So you're gonna be fighting. Yeah. yeah, those are yeah the, some, those Russian dudes, man. They have the the wrestling like they got some of the top notch wrestling in the world. So it's uh yeah 100 percent the the mindset like those those guys at a Khabib's camp and stuff that they have is pretty legit. It's cool to see how our how our guys are stepping up though. Like the American the American martial arts like our mixed martial arts kind of community is really uh on the rise as the sport is also continuing to gain more traction. So um, you guys are based out of 10th Planet Austin, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Yeah, 10 PATX. Nice, man. And you've been with them for the last three years? Almost three years. I, I, I moved from Albuquerque to Austin, I think, in November, October yeah. or November. It was right before uh, the pandemic happened it was right before that big scam happened yeah so yeah. um i remember you posting about like uh this isn't gonna change anything that i'm doing and you i think i think you were almost making it a point to show like i'm living a normal life and like do something about it yeah yeah for sure i remember um, you doing that it was pretty cool whenever a country invades another country historically the first thing they they always do is get rid of any sort of indigenous martial arts practice. When uh, Japan invited Okinawa, they they didn't let people um, do karate. The 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 punishment for training martial arts was death. Um, if you look into the history of like Capoeira and the Brazilians, they had to keep it secret because if the people who were invading found out that they were training, then then there would be severe consequences. And I'm a I'm a pretty paranoid person, mm. and I I the numbers never added up. It's like Oh, there's this disease that's only killing 
old people and fat out of shape people but everybody has to get locked up and everybody needs to listen to the it didn't add up to me and and all of the things that martial arts give was the cure for the illness people need to be in better shape people need to have community and be surrounded by other people and and um like if nobody's training martial arts and everybody's listening to the government and everybody's out of shape and scared there'll never be people willing or able to revolt against a a government who's trying to take too much and it's our right as americans to to build an army you know it's it's our right to have um um and an ability to to revolt it's it's in our constitution that our freedoms aren't going to be infringed upon by anyone including the government yeah the government specifically even and kind of was written and that's why i like i never stopped training like when people were like scared in their house being cowards and not visiting their family and and doing what big brother tells them to i was out there like come train with me you know come come follow me come come learn how to defend yourself and strengthen your body and strengthen your mind and and it's it's our duty as americans to to rebel and and not listen to authority and to throw tea in the fucking river when they try to tax us yeah, and it's in our roots yeah we've lost that we we we've lost that and through martial arts we can get it back through our training we can remember how how strong we are and how independent we are and how we don't need some some governing body to tell us what to do and what to think and how how to behave and and I, i'm i'm disgusted with with the state of people right now who nobody's willing to fight nobody's willing to stand up for themselves and everybody's able to willing to just give up their their freedoms for the illusion of safety yeah our our forefathers are turning in their graves right now i'm sure yeah that's what benjamin franklin said if you're willing to give up security for uh if you're willing to give up your rights for security then you deserve neither so like you know what's the whole point of uh of of defending something that we are going to even just give up anyway and it's just kind of like a it's a weird thing to to have that play into itself and to see how we kind of lose track of that later and and people mention all the time how hard times create hard men hard men create easy times easy times breed easy men easy times uh, or easy men create hard times and it seems like we're in that right now with uh, people trying to find excuses for the way society is right where you know it's like yeah but gas is up yeah because we're trying to change and go electric and it's like uh 
I mean, Jesus Christ, not everybody can afford that right now. And uh, what is it even really saving at the end of the day? So there is like a, an agenda that can be argued that is pushed. So uh, I can totally see that how um, and like uh, the, the times that we're in, it's uh, important to invest in things that are going to be healthy for you and to open up your mind and not to just be told stuff. Now it gives you power, not only just to make sure that you're independent um, and you're a free thinker, but now if more so than ever to at least keep yourself healthy physically, not just mentally, to get outside. I mean, vitamin D deficiencies and all that shit is a real thing. Not getting some sunlight, you know, people that are already sick, you know, they're only getting worse being cooped up in a room that doesn't have the circulation that being outside would. So it's, it's a sad thing whenever people are... Uh, are getting in worse shape but never even had anything that was underlying or or something that was keeping them from being uh, outside but they stay in the house because that's the patriotic thing to do i guess that's a a trippy thing is that whenever you started training chris when it, like uh during the uh the pandemic because you've been training for two years right no no <clears throat> i've been fighting for two years fighting for yeah two i've been years. training since i was like 15 years old nice okay yeah, how yeah. old are you uh, i'm 22 where are you from? Uh, from Marble Falls, Texas. It's okay. uh, the, it's like the hill country. Yeah, yes. beautiful place. It's like uh, what is it that that uh, the well is is it out is it out there the blue well? I don't know. Maybe no, 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 the blue wells. In, I know what you're talking about. Um, but, that's yeah. in Wimberley, I think. Okay, my fault, my fault. Yeah, anyway. no, Marble Falls is uh, Lake LBJ. Okay, um, it's over there by the Burnett, uh, Land Passes. Marble Falls is like this beautiful city, and it's like right on the lake and it's in the middle of like all these surrounding uh small towns it's sick nice man that sounds beautiful and then uh when so you started training there yeah i started training in marble falls um i was like a uh sophomore in high school i believe okay um yeah i just i honestly i was just a, a huge fan of martial arts growing up i uh, i remember as a kid i watched uh tito ortiz versus uh chuck liddell and I was like, yeah, this is, I was like, yeah, this one? Should... Yeah, for real, right? I think it was the second like, one. But I was like, yeah, this. Whenever he spanked him? I don't remember exactly. Was that the same? That was, that yeah, was I, I remember like Chuck Liddell knocked him out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, this is dope. My uncle was a huge fan. Dang, yeah. But, um. Who's your fighter, your favorite it, fighter then? Uh, I started training at a jiu-jitsu gym. Okay. It was in the gi. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember this uh, This one day I walked in because this guy gave me this combatives gi. It was like this camo gi. Okay. And I walked in with it, you know, how my white belt and everything, and he, he, he was like, where'd you get that gi? And I'm like 15 years old, so I'm never in the military. And he knows, he's like, uh, he was like, those gis are earned, never given. And I was <laughs> wow. like, he like scared the shit out of me. And I was like, I gave him, I ended up giving him the gi and stuff because he was like this military guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did he give you another gi? He, he ended up trading okay. gis with me, yeah. So he All gave right. me the like blue gi. I guess. But yeah, I started training the gi and then I moved to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, and then I trained at this uh, MMA gym in Burnett. And it was, dude, it was just like, um, Super small, like, shed gym, but, man, there were scrappy guys in there, and I w we would just show up, like, every day, like, like it was, like, Tuesday and Thursday, two times a week, and we'd just show up there and beat the shit out of each other, like, no drilling or anything, just throw oh, big gloves on and shin guards and just beat each other up, but, yeah, it wasn't until, uh, like, 2019, 2020, um, I, uh, I met Cody, I, I moved to 10th Planet, and, and to be honest, I, I moved Austin, to 10th right? Planet because I seen the girls at... There's uh they they post like the these hot girls on uh on uh Tim Planet be uh 
be rolling. I'm like, yo, I gotta join this on their gym. social media. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, wow. on their social media. And I'm like, yeah, yo, I gotta, I gotta works. go to Tenth Planet like now. <laughs> That's cool. They were like, he, they were posting like the girls that would train there. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, these girls are cute. I gotta go. I gotta go say what's up. That's funny. And so you made the trip. You made the trip. What I made you do? the trip. I was, I was, uh, I was driving all the way to um, Austin um, every day. Uh, I was working at a hotel. Um, okay. And so I would just train in Austin and work at the hotel and then drive back home. And then I finally saved up enough money and I got my apartment um, close to the gym. Uh, I found it on Craigslist. Um, and this was, I think this was before Cody moved uh, to, uh, okay. to Austin, I believe. So it was truly the social media pics and you were like, I'm going to go. I got to go. And yeah, then... I got to go. And then there was like no MMA program really. Um, the light does that. Yeah, so. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. There was no MMA program. It was just... Um, MMA, it was just Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, and uh, I, like I said, I never had like a legit Muay Thai or, or striking training before, uh, I just did, uh, just did grappling, you know, and it, it was cool to like um, have like a coach or multiple coaches and like teach me good technique, um, and then there was like something that happened and Cody ended up coming, being the coach, and he could probably tell you that story, but he ended up uh, being the coach and I would take all his classes and I told him I had a fight coming up in, in Arkansas, and this is like I had not much experience, you know. And I told him I was fighting the six foot guy at one forty five, and Cody was like, "Wow, that sounds crazy." Yeah, six foot and one forty five. At one forty five, it was a bad matchup, and I didn't know anything, you know. Yeah. I, I was like, "Yeah, I'm taking this fight," and Cody's like, "No, let's pull out. Let's not do this fight. Let's 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 do let's take the right steps, you know, and then and then and then you can take a fight." And how tall are you again? I'm like five six, five okay. seven. It, it wasn't a good matchup, like I'm saying. That's so crazy, <laughs> and at one forty five, and I fight at thirty five, you know. So, yeah, we took the right steps. We got my body to the way that's supposed to be at, and you know now I'm fighting at thirty five. But yeah, I've, if it wasn't for Cody, I probably would have took that fight, and who knows where my career would have went, you know. It's a it does something to you, I think. Whenever you uh, you hop into it in the beginning, and you're like, I don't care. But mm-hmm. then after the after the fight after the the, the results, it's like uh, the what if and, um, yeah. and maybe even for some folks it doesn't matter. But I do believe, like uh, taking the wrong fight can change the trajectory in your mind, and then it just messes with what steps you follow. So for sure. I mean, it's it's cool to hear stuff like that. You know, what I mean, like uh, I think uh, my guy Kai fought your guy, right? Do you know? You remember Kai? When you came in, you did an MMA fight in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and you were coaching, and then your guy fought a Hawaiian dude. Kai. Oh. Um, Kai Vieska. Uh, Jake. Jake. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. He's a purple belt police officer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was a good fight. It was that a tough was, one, man. Um, that was Fury, I think. Yeah. I think so. It was Fury. So, yeah, yeah, that was a good fight. Um. Yeah, that was whenever I saw you. I guess that was that's whenever I said I was. I feel like I saw you all, but well, that was it. And yeah, went back on your way. But uh, <laughs> that was that was cool because that was our first fighter out of West, and then that's like my first like time like going about it where it's like a um, making sure that we had like the right setups for him, and then it was even like a a tough thing uh, just figuring that part out for the process because you've already taught a couple guys. By that point, right? You've already had a couple people you've been coaching. Oh yeah, I have a whole stable of fighters. See, I, I've there's uh, 
in the two, two and a half years that I started my program, we already have five or six MMA amateur champions. Yeah. Like, like we have a whole stable of fighters. And, um, yeah. It's cool to hear, man. Like, it's it's really cool just because, like, uh, you you look at it like, okay, this is his amateur debut, and then this is his amateur debut. And then that's just all you, you see it, you know, on, on paper. But it's, like, all these back-end things where it's, mm-hmm. like, uh, coming ready, you know? And it's, it's pretty cool because I feel like, uh man just being honest if kai were to go against a different a different team it would have been a a lot better of a fight but just understanding like all right we got to make sure that we're sealed up everywhere and then you know having having your guy ready just just clean up just clean just in every aspect of it right kai's doing pretty good and uh man your guy's just kind of like uh keeping that pace with just a little bit cleaner of, of an approach and it's like something to respect and it's uh whenever you come in and then we talk about you know what you've been doing it only makes sense like whenever you watch like gsp going against like these other guys and just clean with the jab clean with the takedown not taking damage controlling making sure like all the boxes are checked and it's like uh trying to do that but it's kind of like a whenever we talk now it's like i think what you know what i'm trying to do but i'm just at a different part of it to where you're at and uh i respect that a lot because the investment is all it's all the opportunity is always there and then knowing where we both came from and you being the quinn's nemesis and and me being a white belt watching you and you're a blue belt and a purple belt yeah it's just a funny like the you know rivals that you got Mm -hmm. and uh it's a beautiful story because now it's like fuck Cody's guys are good and I knew that they were going to be good. Let's fucking get back to it, Kai. Like, don't let it fucking get to you, you know? And it's like a, it's a beautiful process because there's ways you can avoid those bumps and you're going to run into them. But why deal with it on the first step? Because if you're going to stumble on that, what else are you going to step on? What else are you going to like oversee? And like, it's important to have like a good coach to help you have that vision. So then you can be like, okay, like uh, just taking any fights, not something that's, you know, the the decision because we got things that we're trying to achieve. If you just want to take a fight just to fucking fight, then by all means. And you end up taking your first pro fight and you never even take a fight before. And it's like, oh, like the team behind me is the big support of it. And and an unexperienced coach will get excited from a, a student or an athlete who's like, I want to fight. I don't care who it is. I'm a tough guy. But when you're in this this business for a while, that's everybody. Yeah. Everybody's scrappy. Everyone is crazy. Everyone will <laughs> fight anyone. Like that's basic. Like everyone's in shape. Everyone's an athlete. Everyone's strong. What what separates the the champions? What separates the amazing fighters is how smart they are and how patient they are and how coachable they are, how humble they are. Everybody's tough. Everybody, like, you could throw a rock and hit a guy who's going to, oh, I'll fight anyone, coach. Put me in there. But how willing are they to prepare? How willing are they to 
diet, how willing are they to to keep training consistently after fight after fight falls through? Um, you you talked about your your guy Kai and my guy Jake, and yes, it was both their debut. But before I send any of my fighters into that the, that cage, they have a lot of smokers. Jake probably had three or four smokers. He was already... MMA uh, smokers, too. Yeah, MMA, boxing, kickboxing. He was already uh, a seasoned uh, bl- competition blue belt who was knocking on the purple belt door. He had already... One fight to wins. He had already done a lot of jujitsu competitions. So he was already salty before he even stepped in that cage. And on paper, you could look at him and say like, oh, this is his debut. He's as experienced as my guy. But this guy had fights. And and all of my guys, they're going to be prepared. I don't send anyone into the cage until I'm I'm positive that not only can they win, but they can get the finish. They yeah. can win in a dominant fashion yeah. and excite the crowd and be remembered. And it, it's it's not just about getting the win, it's how you get the win. Yeah. And and So do you have a different kind of philosophy with the way like uh GSP or Israel Adesanya kind of approaches it now. How uh, he his last fight, uh, he was fuck he was clapping back at Chris Pratt uh, because uh, he he was saying he for <laughs> Chris Pratt found himself on the UFC in the in the commentator uh, desk at after the fights for the post fight and um, he was like yeah it was a snoozer that and like he comes out with the Undertaker walkout but then like puts the crowd to sleep. With just like uh, peppering and then like not going for a finish. Like, uh, what's your take? What's your take on that? So on a professional level, it's more about strategy and game planning. Okay. Like it's more so about... So it shifts after a little bit? For sure. Okay. At the amateur level, it's it's just a... We can't really game plan at an amateur level. What little film we have or can find on our opponents... Um, it doesn't show much, mm-hmm. and and the the majority of people that fight my guys, they have a very broken MMA, outdated approach where they're good at one thing, uh, or they're good at two things. It's like yeah, I train in boxing, boxing and wrestling, and I train in a gi and jujitsu. Yeah. So, so it's like, okay, let's just cage fuck this guy, yeah. you know, and, and it's really easy at this level. Um, and um, to, to go back to your question with, with Izzy, uh, with his last fight, one thing that you're seeing a lot in um, these champions and these championship fights, especially uh, as of late, is... They're fighting not to lose instead yeah. of fighting to win. Yeah. And I think when Pereira fights Izzy, he's going to dust him. Yeah. Because 
Izzy's Rocky Three right now. Yeah. He's getting his nails done. Yeah. He's driving around. He's doing video game. He's he's going that same path of as Ronda Rousey. Yeah. And there there's a Brazilian who's doing push-ups in the dark and <laughs> and, and hungry, knocking people yeah. out who wants that belt. Yeah. And. and He's he's not humble anymore. He he's yeah. lost what got him to where he is, and he's believing his own hype now. Yeah, and you see that with a lot of champions. And I I think I was it, sad to see uh, Anderson Silva against Chris Weidman, and that was already a good while back. But I mean, seeing Anderson Silva, and it's like, oh, there he goes doing that what he does, and then get clipped. It's like, oh shit. Like, finally it caught up. It's, like, a unfortunate for, for, you know, to see if you're a fan. But it's kind of like the law of the jungle played in. Like, you throw the dice, and you throw the dice, and you get that hot streak, and you're that one person, and then finally, like, clip. Oh, that's why you don't do these things. It's and, sad. And USADA had something to do with that as well, with, yeah. with the whole Anderson Silva downfall. <laughs> All the Brazilian downfall. And That's I, such a crazy wave, yeah. yeah. I love uh, what he's doing in boxing now. I'm so, as, as a fan of the Spider, and um, man, I remember him in his prime. I remember the tear that he went on, and it's, it's, so quickly the fans forget these fighters you know you get one loss and all of a sudden no one remembers you um you're seeing it with the featherweight division people are like volkanovsky's the best featherweight max holloway's the best featherweight jose aldo won like eight titled uh title fights in a row isn't like, that a trip volkanovsky's like, what don't four yeah three four and people don't know Jose Aldo. Like, people don't know. Like, he's the guy that's like a... a there's a little button. Uh, he's the guy that's like a... That was killing it for years before Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor happens, and then everybody knows Conor McGregor. But you turn around, and uh, people really don't have that respect for, like, those guys that were putting it on so long ago. You know what I mean? And, and one thing... That? One thing I try to teach my fighters and make aware to my fighters is they need to think of themselves and treat themselves in this fight industry the same way the fans will. Because game day might be a triple champ right now. He might have all the belts, but one loss and he's shit and nobody remembers his name and all of his sponsors and friends are gone. Yeah. And, and that momentum falls quick. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad, but it's a reality. It's like shoots and ladders, man. Like yeah. you work so hard to get to the top and one wrong dice move and you're back at the beginning. You're, you're all the way back where you started and everybody's out in ahead of you now. And, and so, so, cultivating humbleness and patience in my fighters is is something i'm i'm very vigilant on and something that i i push and and uh, of course i i celebrate my guy's success um there's a lot of it and i'm i'm probably more excited about it than they am but every day i tell them like you're not shit like this yeah. th- this 
industry, this fight game is waiting to fuck you. Yeah, it's, it's going to eat you yeah. up. And and if you wake up thinking you're special, mm-hmm. if you, you wake up and and you you'd rather go get your nails done <laughs> instead of fight some 20 year old who starts in mount for five minutes and you yeah. have to escape and escape and yeah if you're not ri- willing to get gritty and if you're not willing to suffer and if you're not willing to to you know train like a white belt then you've already lost you're on the way down Man, that's crazy. I do preach that last sentence you said. You can never shed having this white belt like mentality of like, it doesn't matter if you got a blue belt, if you got your purple belt. I doesn't like having my black belt. Like, uh, it doesn't change. The moment that I feel like I don't got to invest is whenever I know I'm dying. And that's why whenever you mentioned that we were chilling in the backyard for a second, how you were talking about how um, how uh, if I train, where, where do I get my training from if I continue training? And you know, honestly, like I'm scarcely going to like the Friday staff training, but then I believe that it should be continuous training from my professor more consistently, which is what he preaches, right? So that's like a, as of late, something that I'm like uh, falling back on for whatever reasons I don't believe they're, they're good enough, but uh, it's important to have that continued training throughout the you're until you stop training you know what it like uh I, I love i had another homie that was on that his name is uh tony and he mentions how elio gracie was training like until 10 days before he died so he died at 98 so he'd still like get on the mat just like cover up his neck and just be like come on try to submit me and like you know fight just defense but still you know he's like lived so far so long and you know he was I, who knows how he was approaching them and the mental of it, but still I want to be like that, uh, that old. And I do want to have that mentality of continuing to learn. Like I pretty think, cool. I think years that's old and, why he lived that long. To the 411. Like, like when old people retire, they stop fighting, they stop working. And yeah. a man needs a mountain. Like, like, yeah. like there has to be a reason to wake up and, and there, there has to be, like, going back to what, what you were talking about, what we were talking about in the backyard, and I, I would really recommend um, get private lessons. Yeah, like, like yeah. You're, you're at a part in, in your journey as a black belt now where group classes aren't really going to hit. Like, maybe one day yeah. you go to a group class and you're like, Oh, I already knew that. I didn't get the the mm. stimulus that I wanted. It was kind of a a, a dud. Yeah. And it's like I, I spent this time, I took time out of my busy schedule. I went looking to get better and to look to get quality training and improve myself, but I just got another class that I could have done just without. Place, redundant training. Yeah. So so I would really really recommend moving forward, mm-hmm. start investing in private lessons. Yeah. I, I understand how expensive they are, but right now with the level that you've achieved, that's really what's gonna get you to continuously grow at the rate that you need. To focus on the things that that need to be better at, that Ex- need to be better at. Exactly, and gotcha. and it'll help you as a student because you'll have to reflect on yourself and what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I have a private lesson coming up next week 
where do I want to improve? What, where are my students beating me? And how can I, you know, yeah. I, I used to submit them with this and now they're defending. I need to learn a counter to that yeah. defense. Yeah. And, that rabbit hole. And, and so, so to, to piggyback on a conversation earlier, I, I would really recommend getting into the habit maybe like once a week, twice, twice yeah, a month, something sure. like that. And that's where I mess up because like uh, I know it's I know it's available and it, and it happens every so often. But I was starting to fall off like, you know, I just got other things that I would say are priorities. But at the end of the day, whenever this is like what we invest in to even be the flagship to support what, you know, our lifestyle like what it needs to continue to morph and grow just like a business would or, or you know any living organism would you got to feed it and uh it needs to continue to grow so i think you're totally right um in regards to that continued education so you uh you trained with danaher right yes yes uh in addition to training um with all of the amazing instructors at 10th planet atx um i trained with gabe tuttle uh ben eddie's there he's been Making my rubber guard fire. Of, of course, Curtis Hembroff that is there, one of the toughest motherfuckers I've ever rolled with. Um, to to supplement my jujitsu training, I've been training with John Donaher at a New Wave, and I really enjoy it. Um, I'm always, I always want to learn from the best people, and yeah. and I don't care about teams or flags or politics. I, I I tell my guys, and I truly believe myself, like, my loyalty lies with winning. And as long as I'm doing what it takes to win, that's what I'm loyal to. And, and that goes beyond any sort of person or patch or flag or team. And, um, man, if if somebody truly cares for me, they would want what's best for me, yeah. Regardless of their own agenda, right? And and um, I would never get hurt or or um, jealous if my students wanted to go train somewhere else, or there was a really good coach in town. And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool learning from Donaher. He's crazy smart. And, you know, in addition to to being the best mind in jiu-jitsu, he also coaches MMA fighting. Um, you, you'll see him cornering and coaching Rory McDonald and Gary Tonin and, and all of these amazing guys. But um, I, I've really come to appreciate and respect older coaches. Um, there, there's a lot of people in the martial arts who are learning from their peers, who are learning from guys who are the same age, five years older, 10 years older, but, but to learn from an old master, to, to learn from somebody who's, who's, you know, in their sixties, in their seventies, um, it's, it's something that I didn't experience until later in my martial arts journey. And it's something that, that I really appreciate and, and I look for 
um, for my own training. Like, like I want to learn from Pai Mei. I want to learn from that old motherfucker who's been killing people for decades. And, yeah. and um, ex- so much. Do you um, think that, um, not probably just because of like maybe a good record, is it that you want to, because of the way the message is given, there's wisdom in, in the way that, uh, the philosophy is delivered? I think it, if what's the determining factor in like, what's the best determining factor in martial arts training? Would you say it's technique and technical or would you say it's experience? If you had two people and one person had all of the experiences and had been through all of these crazy fights and and competitions and been around the best coaches and the best training, mm-hmm. but didn't maybe have the best technical um, instruction. And then you, on the other hand, you had a student who didn't do anything, never competed, never fought, but he had the best technical instruction available in the world, who do you think would do better? Who would you put your money on? The person that did it. Exactly. And, And that's what I look for in coaching as well. And there's so many coaches out, out here, particularly in Jiu Jitsu who are black belts, Mm. but how many black belt world champions have they coached? What sort of innovations have they made in the sport? Right. What experience do they have? What's their lineage? Like, like in martial arts, you have two things. You have accomplishments and lineage. Yep. And That's there's a, a lot of people will bet or bank on just who they learn from yeah. or just what they've done. And... and you know, I have both. Yeah. I, I have the best lineage and I, I've accomplished so much. And, and I, I don't want to sound um, like, like proud or, or um, like I'm into myself because I know I have so much more to go and so much more to accomplish and I'm only getting started. But... As a coach, I need to continuously be a student. I need to stay up to date and I need to get the best quality of training for the sake of my, my, my students and my athletes. And this is my job. Yeah. And it's, it's easy and tempting to become complacent. When I moved to Austin from Albuquerque, um, I had come from Gracie Baja. I, I got my black belt at Gracie Baja. I had trained in the Gi for 12 years up until I got my, my black belt. And of course, I'd compete and train a little bit no Gi. But man, you know, most, most no Gi programs at Gi schools are take off your Gi and do the same shit we do every day. And when I started training at 10PATX, I was getting leg locked by blue belts. They were doing crazy like twister, neck crank, knee slicers, shit that's illegal in IBJJF, stuff I wasn't ex- experienced with. And I 
I had to make a decision. It's like, do I want to avoid these classes and just teach and get by on my, my what I accomplished in the past and live in this kind of comfortable lie? Or am I willing to, to put that white belt back on and get tapped out over and over by lower belts and kill my ego and, and embrace an uncomfortable truth? And as martial artists, we don't have the luxury of comfort. We've chosen this life of war. And we, we've chosen that every day when we wake up, we need to fight. And it's tempting. And man, humans are made out of 80, 90% water. And what's water do? It finds the path of least resistance. So naturally, by our, our, our DNA, or the cells of our body are telling us, take the easy route, go, go downhill. But, but if, if we're going to wake up and call ourselves martial artists, we need to every day fight those uphill battles. And when you are unwilling or unable to do that, it's time to hang up your belt. I got you. I got you. At least that's what I believe. And that continued growth, right? That's cool, man. Do you do anything outside of uh, of coaching, like uh, outside of training, like uh, any other hobbies? You, I'm pretty sure you hang out with the guys from the gym, it seems like. You're pretty tight-knit with them. Oh, oh, of course. And one of the wonderful things about martial arts is community. Is, you know, when when you go through shit with your training partners, when you guys go to battle, you're brothers afterwards. You know, yeah. you bleed together, you sweat together, you cry together, you celebrate together, of course. Um, yes, yes. Uh, I'm a tattoo apprentice. Dang, okay. so, so I've been working on my art lately. I remember whenever you started taking art classes. Yes, yes. That was like years ago, right? Um, I had a very amazing and influential teacher who taught me the, the true nature of martial arts and, and what it takes to achieve elite levels. And, and so many people... All they do is train and eat and sleep and they think that they're going to achieve a high level of martial arts and quality of life just being thugs, just being ruffians and, and training, living in a gym and to achieve the higher levels of skill, you need a higher quality of life. The smarter you are, the the better able you, you the better able you will be to fight, and the more understanding, the better your brain will work. And, and I had a a really good teacher who, um, after we would train, we would talk about philosophy or go over strategies of of war. He'd try to teach me music or different languages. We'd paint, we'd draw, we'd play chess. We'd... My training 
encompassed much more than punching each other in the face and and drilling takedowns and it wasn't i wish i would have taken advice much sooner and, and pursued the arts pursued things outside uh, of fighting and it's one thing that i tell all of my fighters it's something that i tell game day all the time that he needs to get something outside of fighting and get a hobby outside of fighting and live life like appreciate the richness and the variety that life has to offer because because man the gym is such a small and stinky place and as a, amazing as it is and with all the friends and lessons you can learn from a martial arts gym um there's so many beautiful amazing experiences that await you outside of the gym and and the same way a new person gets out of their comfort zone when they walk into a gym, a black belt could could use the gym as a comfort zone. Yeah. And those matted grounds and matted walls will become an insane asylum for you because you come into a place doing the same thing every day and expecting different results. Yeah. And th that by definition is insanity. Yeah. So how are we going to continue training in martial arts and improve? We have to improve our minds. We have to improve our existence. And we do that through art, through music, through, through literature, learning different languages, education. There's never been a time where I was like, man, I wish I was less educated. I wish I was dumber. I wish I knew less than I knew. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If, if you're surrounding yourselves with people of value and people of quality, you should be constantly telling yourself, man, I wish I was smarter. Man, I wish I... I yeah, that's uh, interesting perspective. I wish I knew more about that. Yeah, yeah. And if you're around people who aren't making you think that way and aren't wanting more for yourself, then you're not improving and you're not growing and you're probably hanging out with a bunch of losers. Very true. Very true. And what do you do outside here, Chris? Like outside of uh, fighting? Um, yeah, I don't... I'm, trying I'm to, a loser. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying, <laughs> to find a, I'm trying to find a hobby. Like, like you're in, uh, in good hands, though. It's, I mean, yeah, at a young yeah. age, like you're aspiring to do something. And I think uh, it's what, what Cody is saying is very important, especially whenever I know how much time he's put in. I think he's also uh, leveling with me on that. So it's like uh, whenever this is like a... Not fresh because you've been doing it for a mm -hmm. while, right? But you're 22, you said? Yeah, 22. You know, putting in all the time that you can because you enjoy the results that you're getting. Like, it's not like it's a, it's not a crazy thing to be that crazy person for a while. And after a while, I think maybe, you know, tapering off and, and you know, in the meantime, still finding time to go out, jump off a bridge, 
go land in some water, you know. Yeah. <laughs> some I mean, water that I need to, you know. We still do that. that but yeah. it's still like part of training, though, you, you know. know? But yeah, but. Picking up an instrument, you know, learning how to tattoo, you know, something like that. That's that's different, you know. It's outside of fighting, but it's still, like, you know, grows grows your brain pathways. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing stuff. Like, I, I just started my own website, and uh, I'm, like, starting to do private lessons and, and group classes and stuff like that. So, um, But it's, like I said, it's still connected to fighting. So I'm still, like, my whole yeah. life is fighting. So I'm, I'm still trying to find that, that other hobby. And yeah, it's going to take some time. Like, I'm still young, so yeah. it'll come. No, I hear you. I hear you. I think those things are, are important just to, uh, like, like uh, exactly like Cody was saying. Like, it's just keeping uh keeping our minds curious and keeping that expansion while it's there while we're living and breathing like if you're not improving and assuming we're supposed to be these species that are always improving then you're pretty much taped like you're dying like you're the moment that you stop getting better the moment that you're getting start. worse yeah exactly even if you feel like you're just doing the same you're getting worse like there's this like like there's this this ranking and in, in a world ranking of humans and these ticks are always moving and it's like the moment you stop like you just start dropping dramatically i don't know if you've ever played like a game on your app and like you look at the world rankings and you feel like you're all right you stop playing for a day and it's like oh wow people play this game a fucking lot like it's it's a in this world of life you're you're either getting up or you're getting down and you can find reasons why you're down but it's cool just to always invest you know there's always going to be stresses but then you always find something to kind of relieve yourself with and uh, whenever it's outside of the mat after doing it for so long i think that does go back and and uh and, and come back full circle in a way where it improves whenever you get back onto the mat like it's a true thing like uh what you're saying is 100 percent uh man I, I like what you were what you're saying though about the uh man the advice with just the training and stuff like that like um it's it's tough i want to do that and i and i need to do that like you inspire me just to make sure like it's not something where it's like man i got to do this because i got to make sure like the team's getting better and uh i invest in just different ways but i do believe i believe in my coaches my professors and uh, i think that that continued investment in somebody that's uh that's been through it that knows it that has the more knowledge that's older that has the experience that has a perspective and i do think that I think you agree you didn't touch base on it, but I'm just glad I can add a little bit of content in it. Maybe you said it in a different way, but where are their where are their hearts at, right? Where where is the the person you trust in your path? Where is his heart at uh, with you? So I think you did even mention that, you know, not you don't have to say where's their heart at, but you know, um, whenever they have every intention of placing their hands on something and making it better, um, man, that's you know how are they how are they how are they applying that are they treating that you know whenever they you put your career your future in their hands their your training which is gonna affect where you go and how you see things and you know these these chances that come up and then you feel like they're good chances to take at the moment we should do it we should definitely take the sponsor we should take this fight we should sign this contract we should go forth with it let's do it I don't care who it is like is it that is it that important is it that is it going to be something that you really want to sign off on you know like having guys like this on your side like Cody and him who he he uh confides in I think those are uh true um game changers in regards to who you have in your corner you know what I mean it's pretty cool yeah yeah to touch on that um so so many people 
uh, especially in this day of martial arts, take this elementary school approach to, to their training where it's one teacher and there's 20 or 30 students going on at a time. And in addition to that, the, the student expects, I'm going to pay my gym dues and I'm going to get super special one-on-one -on -one attention from my coach. And it doesn't work that way. Once a student starts getting private lessons from me, I see that they're willing to invest in me and give the extra time and money and resources for their education. So it makes me want to invest more in them. And everything is reciprocal and everything is a relationship. And I guarantee you when you go to your coach and you start, you know, going out of pocket when you start saying hey man i really want that the extra sauce mm -hmm. you're gonna get that extra sauce yeah it it, it, it hits different when yeah. your student comes to you and they're like yeah i'm going to classes yeah i'm doing everything everyone else is doing but i'm willing to go out of pocket i'm willing to take a loss just to improve get those gains and and it's it's something you know uh, as long as i could afford it i've been doing it and it's something that i i recommend all of my students to do and it it could they can get it twisted the student can get it twisted when Man, I'll have 50 or 60 people in my class like yeah. my 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 gym is huge and I'll have 50 or 60 people in my class and, and I'll let them know for sure because as I told you earlier, I don't blow smoke up my students' ass. Yeah. It's like, there's so many of you, you, people come and go every month. If I invested in every single one of you, I would have my heart broken every time you disappeared and never contacted me again. Yeah. So I have to keep a certain amount of distance. If yeah. you want me to remember your name, if you want me to to care about you and and watch you while you drill and invest my time and effort in your growth, show me. We what are you willing to do? Are are you willing to get some private lessons? Are you willing to to go out of your way and do something aside from paying tuition? As far as I'm concerned, tuition keeps the lights on. Yeah. Tuition keeps the, the gym running. Mm -hmm. As far as you getting an education from your coach, that's a whole nother fee. That's a whole nother expense. That, that's, that's something you're not entitled to. And the, look in society now, people think I'm paying my gym fees, so I need to get extra, extra, extra. I need to get this, this, and that. Whenever in, in reality you go to university and it's like you pay tuition, but then you got to still figure out how to do everything else. You pay for books, you got to pay for private tutoring. You know what I mean? All this extra. And you know, it's a, I think that's a um, crazy thing in society because I do understand the capitalistic approach to it where it's like hey you're keeping the lights on and i'm gonna do what i can to keep you happy 
But if you're that person that wants the extra mile, well, then, you know, I'm doing what I can to keep the masses happy. But if you're talking about you wanting to, to be the best of the best, what are you willing to do to invest a little bit more, right? And, and martial arts becoming a business was probably the worst thing that ever happened to martial arts. Yeah. Because you have this, the customer is always right attitude that, that people bring into this like very personal, um, intimate, um, advanced, like, yeah, there was a tough battle. There was a time with the customer and then being effective and then they're right, keeping them happy, but you know what they need. So, but go ahead. There, there was a time where the only way you would be able to learn martial arts is if someone in your family knew martial arts or if you were able to, to pay a private tutor. To, you, you were able to find some amazing fighter or soldier to, to teach you their warrior ways. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was it was you were lucky and you were special if you were able to get that type of mm-hmm. training. And and people take it for granted. People are like, I paid my hundred dollars, my two hundred dollars a month. I, I want you to give me all the, I want you to show me the death touch and I wanna learn it in a week and I want ten black belts and if I don't get all of these things I want. It's your fault, and I'm gonna quit and go to the, the gym next door. Yeah, and, and it's a shitty attitude. And and like I said, I think these these opening up schools, opening up martial arts for profit, have ruined the martial arts. Yeah, I could see I could see how you say that, but I do believe that in the country that we're in, you find something that you love, and then it being monetized. The culture that we have might not be the worst thing, but as far as the culture for this specific kind of uh, martial art, like not not just martial art, martial arts, monetizing it in general. Like look at karate. Nobody goes to karate and is like, a, I'm a karate black belt. Like, yeah, you're also eight and you started when? <laughs> like you started this year and it's June, July. Like, you know, those are realities of the matter. You know, you can get that. In six months, you can get a black belt. I don't think that in the true essence of karate, no matter you know, where it derives from, you can be proficient at it within six months. I don't think that that was the, the essence of it. I think the black belt was respected a lot more. And now it's kind of like, okay, your time is in. Congratulations. Now what can we do with it? What can you do with it to... to to do other stuff to make this grow or to make more monetize right so i see what you're saying in that aspect the cool thing is in america you you got the freedom to do that and then if you're effective enough with it you know you're now i believe i believe you're paying back to what martial arts was was truly meant for you can be effective with it and have a big gym and nobody's competing nobody knows what's what the the culture is right but then you also got a gyms that i do think are maybe big that are nerfed that you know people have a rank and they don't compete 
and they nerfed. I like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know, like you got children that you're raising, and you're like, no, you can't go out in the street and play with them. Yeah, We're going yeah. to private school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a true thing. I encourage training. Uh, I I do encourage cross training. Just don't do that shit whenever maybe I might have a private going on with you, or whenever I'm like a have a class where it's the same exact. You know, if you're teaching Nogi and I'm teaching Nogi and you sign up, like, I'll be like, hey, well, well, you know, I get it. But if he's teaching at the same time, you know, do it at another time, you know, invest, invest in the extra at a different time. Like, cause you're sewing in to your, into your team too. And if at that moment you like, well, I like going to Cody more. Well, I understand and I respect that. And it's not like like hey fuck you cody mm-hmm. and it's not that moment it's that's the part other that's the other side of the capitalistic where it's like you know he likes he likes your product more right so it's I, I believe it's holding the accountability too you don't let clans train with the other clan if you know the master is like yo i got class why are you over there with that master i think that rule would kind of go back and you know take hold up back then too so I don't think it's going against anything you're saying because I agree with cross training. Like you come, Kai comes back and he's like, I was hanging out with Cody this weekend or I went over the, yesterday and uh, yeah, I learned some shit. Like, damn, that's cool. You know, like it's never going to be like a, I own you because you're keeping my lights on. It's always been weird taboo to me, right? So that's uh, the other side of it. I do think that if you sell a product and it, you can nerf it to the point where people like it, but it's not effective whenever you go out and even compete it's fucking up the sport because people are now like oh i gotta i think about kids like oh i got this uh certain color belt and then they come and then i got my kids that they're like gray belts i don't know if you're familiar with Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. jujitsu rank right got my kid that i've grown for three years he's a gray black belt so he's on the cusp of that next one but that's three years of like the gray belt like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so um i feel like i'm slow playing it but we're gonna take him out to vegas i want to see how he's gonna do and it's like we've done like the the local tournaments over and over and over we've done a couple super fights and then it's finding some success and it's like man i it's nice to see him lose whenever he loses you know because it's like all right we can grow but uh he's been doing a good enough an amount of winning and i and i got a couple kids like that we're gonna take and uh it's fun just to kind of take it to the next level and continue to see that experience and that growth. And, um, I think that that's kind of where it's at. You know, you're gonna, you want to prove the effectiveness of it. You're not trying to show some shit where it's like, no, we're not going to go to IBJJF. We're not going to go. We're not going to like, don't, you know, don't avoid the fight at school because this, this might not work. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, I, I think this shit needs to be effective in every aspect of it. And there is, it was cool because like uh, we had to get together and then Ohana as a whole had like a change in the rules of how we coach because it's like, uh, what are we doing in Gi and what are we doing in Nogi? And it's ADCC rules in Nogi and it's IBJJF in the Gi, right? So, awesome. Right. So that was something that was what we came to an agreement with a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, okay, that's what we're doing. And who are we doing this with? Like, all right, white belts do ankle locks. So you can learn anything, teach them anything. But whenever they apply it, white belts are doing straight ankle locks. Blue belts can do anything to purple belts and up, but they can't be ankle long. They can't be doing those higher in submissions to other blue belts. So that was kind of like the rule where I agree with it because by the time you get to purple, it's kind of like no holds bar in some some divisions and some 
some tournaments and, and a lot of super fights. So I think uh, having something like that helps elevate the, the game as a whole because it's like you got – I mentioned it. I mentioned it in, the, in our meeting. I was like, we got like 10 Planet guys where they're they're waiting for the opportunity to, for it to be legal because they've been training it. And I don't want my guys to show up and be like, oh, this is the other side of it. Like, yeah, it's legal now. So let's go back and let's go ahead and start learning it like – that I think I think it hurts the martial art. I think it and and it hurts like the 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 way where it's being monetized. But you got to be a certain level to get to this and to understand it. I think that that's that's nerfing it. That's weird. That's weird to do, right? So I appreciate your perspective on a lot of this stuff. <laughs> and man, man, I'm totally a hi- hypocrite because like I talk all of this shit about like group classes and elementary school training and that's how I came up and that got me where I am and everything I have like I wouldn't have a job and I wouldn't be able to teach and like provide for myself from martial arts if it wasn't for these things that I talk so so shitty about and 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 man I, I love I love what you're doing with with your kid. I, I totally think it's the right way. I've promoted two uh, uh, people at, at my gym. Uh, game day's one of them. I promoted him to Blue Belt. And Jake, the guy who fought uh, Kai, he, mm-hmm. I promoted him to Purple Belt. And both of them were on the podium. When did you promote them? Um... I, I don't re- remember. It was before the fight, I believe. Okay. M- might not have been. I but... think I heard about it. He, was like, he has a purple belt. Like, what are you fucking doing? Like, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but yeah, that's cool, man. And, that makes it make sense. You know? And so so much in in jujitsu, it's easy to get stuck in the. Um, it's easy to get stuck in the. I'll just do local competitions. I'm the best guy in my city. I'm the best guy in my state. Time to start getting a big head. Yeah. But but with any sport, you know, you need to go local. You win in local, let's go national. Okay, you won in national, let's go international. Let's go global. Mm-hmm. And because of the lack of competition coaches and the this this culture of it's okay not to compete, within martial arts and sport we we've lost that progression and a lot of coaches don't think about like oh hey my god my kid's doing good he's the best kid in texas let me see how he'll do against those aoj kids let me see how he'll do against those kids in brazil yeah like on another level of training another level of comprehension of of movement even let me let me take take a loss and fly my kid to brazil and see how good he really is yeah. but but so many people are like oh he's getting good medals that's good enough yeah. agf uh, or yeah uh, uh, grappling industries or you know little i don't want to shit on these promotions i don't i don't mean to say like they're little that's fu- that's fucked up and disrespectful but locals you yeah. know that you know or and then uh, whether people agree with the rules or not, the ones that are recognized as more prestigious, and uh, and then the competition just goes to that, and then there's other ones that just you know like ADCC eventually. Like I think the path is important to the growth and to yeah, man. I think that does pay a homage to how you care about your guys too. It's very like you we were mentioning. I don't know if it was on the 
on the podcast or, or whenever we were before we got on you were like very cutthroat about how you go about it and i think that in this this way that we approach things you kind of have to be you have like i always tell my guys like jujitsu doesn't give a fuck about you even whenever you're doing good and you're you're effective if the guy's more effective and fat if he's just as effective but faster if he beats you to the grip and does the same thing that you know but he's faster you still lose like even if it's by an edge so it's very cutthroat so it's just a matter of like you did it good do it again and like move on like don't expect me to pat you on the back don't stop yesterday um i was pissed at my guys yesterday it was a funny situation it was growing for all of us for because i came back i'm barely coming back from the surgery but i turn around and uh and i'm able to teach and uh we're we're chilling at lunchtime class and like i'm helping somebody with the drill of getting to the back and i turn around i'm watching everybody sitting down and looking at me and it's just like what the fuck like we drill until until it's time to get water like you don't i say four times and switch and it's not stop right so it was a growing moment for us and it was for that one class you know i think 6 p.m and you know you got kind of different vibes for different times you know what if you if you you know no i think if you teach a lot of different class times you got different cultures but it's important to kind of have that cutthroat kind of approach where it's like you did it good and that's the best comment compliment i can give you right now because you didn't do it enough to show that you're proficient at it to where if somebody gives you a little bit of resistance you're gonna go ahead and still be effective like you're doing your pat on the back is you going and being effective whenever somebody's trying to stop you whenever you go and compete whenever you take it to another level whenever somebody's going 100 percent i i kind of i kind of disagree with you on one one part of it um whenever it comes to like the team and how you you want everybody to compete i feel like my competitors will come back with the experience to help make the, the guys better at the gym i don't know if that's enough to make the guys better at the gym that stay at the gym because i don't want the jujitsu to be nerfed and they are getting their rank slower and people come and complain and it's like well this guy's growing in a way where their their perspective changes because of how they're going about it you're getting better in a way where in time you're going to get what they're getting but it's going to just take you longer and it still might not be as effective so if i give you the belt and you're the same rank as him in three years you're he's going to beat you all day and if you go and you do what he does everybody else is so i do have a reality check with a lot of my guys that maybe is a a, a turning point where they they turn into competing right and then it's like well you know ibjjf has divisions for your age divisions for your rank and divisions for your weight so you're not going to test yourself against um chris <laughs> you know what i mean there's like you know we have a guy mario that's like 68 years old and he's a blue belt you know what i mean he's like he's awesome you know and he's gonna compete eventually and that's what he talks about and it's like man i want you to if you want to it's just you know i don't i feel like your battles are a little bit different and we can take the martial arts like warrior spirit and we can overcome something like not letting your body metastasizing because you're past your 60s and you retired you know so that's just my little bit of a, a twist on it or you got some autism you know or you you gotta overcome being shy or you got bullied or you're you're fucking quiet at your job and you don't have friends and 
you want to come in and you, these you're barely courageous enough to keep coming into class and getting your ass kicked and these are the only people that you're opening up to so those those are kind of the people that i feel like we're using jujitsu to help overcome their journey right but uh i do believe if they're like well all right i'm gonna go compete tomorrow in a, t in a competition it's like whoa, whoa shit hold on like we're helping you overcome like you wanting to get out of shape like because you got three stripes on your white belt like let's go ahead and start training like competition before you just go and train for go and, and compete because i think there are different paths but being honest with your guys is on is is important do you think that's a Good yeah, way to yeah. I'd, it, right? I'd love to to retort to that. I'd love to to comment on that. Yeah. So imagine, for example, you had a soccer team. You were a soccer coach. Yeah. And you, you were running all these practices and getting them to do all these drills. And then one day one of your guys comes up to you and he says, hey, coach. When are we going to play a game? And you say, oh, we don't play games. This isn't that kind of soccer team. All we do is fucking drill all the time. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Right. It's, it's in every sport, there's going to be a game. In every yeah. subject, there's going to be a test. True. And, True. and I understand your students' um, existential dilemmas. We all have them. And they will grow from the training, but they'll grow even more when yeah. they compete. I, I do believe you're right with that. And whenever that turning point happens for half of them, mm -hmm. I like uh, it's a beautiful moment because uh, there was a girl. I bring her up every other fucking episode. Uh, I shouldn't say that because it's a kid that I'm talking about. But she's awesome when, in a way where she would cry whenever she would get on the mat and she was just scared with her gi on. And then before she moved to New Mexico, she um, was like, giving, she gave Alyssa a hug and she was like, I promise I'll always have confidence in myself. And then she had like won her first medal in competition like, like a like week before. So it was like a very like heart, like wrenching moment, you know, because like a, in a good way. Um, in that and I do believe that that's the most beautiful journey where somebody's kind of like okay I have the courage now to go ahead and step into like the competition realm because it's a whole nother animal and I think that that will spur any anybody's growth whenever it comes to taking that step and overcoming whatever uh, dilemma they might find themselves in I think you're totally right on that now it would be unfortunate. I think the flaw would be like you get your purple belt from me and you've been training with me for like five, six, seven years and you get your purple belt and you're like, I want to compete now. It's like, well, man, we've overcome a lot. Like we should have talked about competing a long time ago. I do think. And one thing I do is after we get to a certain point of overcoming things within, it's like, hey, man, like you're a great guy. Like you've how long have we come now? What? What you got a promotion at your job? Okay, cool. Like you got you things are getting better for you. All right, let's challenge yourself in a way where let's take a a competition. And I think if it gets to blue belt and you haven't competed yet, I'm definitely encouraging that. So I, I think I think we are on that same wavelength where you start overcoming those battles at home and within. Then it's like you want to keep getting that growth and you want to get that full spectrum of being good at jujitsu. 
then you you should be competing. So I, I think you're you're right. The way we train at our gym, and I want to know how you feel. Like, uh, and if you still, I want to know how if you even disagree with that last part because I feel like I'm reasoning with you in a way where like I think I I kind of do it like you where uh, after some time it's like what are we doing? Like you're you're having a good time, but let's test it and let's keep pushing and, and keep growing in that facet. Um, and you're. Do you train at my class schedule is one hour for every time I teach with my kids and my adults. And it's about 10 to 15 minutes of warmups and about 30, 25 minutes of, of drills and about three rolls, about 15 minutes. How do you feel like a lot of people agree? And there's a lot of people that are saying that's way too much drilling. I need more. I need way more, uh, rolls. Like what, what is your normal class and does it change? It, it definitely changes, and I wouldn't teach a kid's class the same way that I would teach an adult's class, the same yeah. way I would teach a comp competition class, the same way that I would teach a fighter's class. Mm -hmm. um, I, as the head MMA coach at uh, 10th Planet Austin, I've, I've, I can contribute more to the team teaching small groups and privates and preparing people yeah. particularly my athletes for their fights then i could if i was teaching 20 classes a week or something yeah at at the level that i'm coaching and the needs of my my athletes who who i have professional athletes on the team as well um going to these group classes isn't good enough for them it, yeah. it's it's not enough that they, they, they need more specialized personalized approach i teach as far as teaching civilians as <laughs> as i call them people who haven't competed yet <laughs> uh j just hobbyists yeah. professionals people who who might compete once a month, uh, people who who aren't fighters, people who aren't competitors, people yeah. who aren't savages, civilians. Um, when I teach them, um, I teach a couple of all levels or, or beginners classes. I teach a beginners class, a wrestling class, 4.30 to 5.30 on Wednesday. And I teach a beginner's jujitsu class, five thirty to six forty-five. And um, in my jujitsu class, I'll start with the the first five or ten minutes of lecture. Uh, I'll I'll sit everyone down and I'll talk to them and I'll yeah. let them know, you know, this is what we're going over. These are the things that are coming up. I'll give like a motivational brave heart speech just to get everyone hyped up, just to get everyone out of their, their uh, time to sit around and follow orders, kind of snap them out of the, the I've been working all day, let me, let me get ready to fuck mm -hmm. some people up. Okay. Um, then, then I'll start with some sort of like drill um, I don't really do like like any sort of warm ups or anything. Everything I do in jujitsu is jujitsu, yeah. so there's no running or push ups or jumping jacks or anything. Uh, this month I'm going over guard passing, 
So yesterday after my speech, I had everybody uh, practice guard passing. The person on the bottom laid down and kept their hands on their head. And the person on top put their hands behind their backs. And I just had them running through this drill to where they were trying to pass guard without their hands. Okay. Just to get the person on the bottom used to relying on their legs for mobility. Yeah. And the person on top learning how to use their legs to get around. I'll do that with my guys with the, putting their hands on the belt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and after that, we probably did that for like 10 or 15 minutes. We went over a guard pass and yeah. we drilled that guard pass. Uh, I'll I'll normally only show one technique, but I'll have to go back and teach the same technique several times. I'll show the technique, I'll have everybody drill it, I'll watch everybody and fix what I can, and then I'll be like, okay, come back together. This is where you guys were fucking up. This is what you weren't doing. Make sure you're doing this. Let me show you how to do the technique again. Now do it better. Mm. And, and so I'll do the same technique over and over and over. And then at the end of class, we'll do specific training. Okay. To where this month we're going over guard pass. The, the particular pass we were going over yesterday in class was standing versus seated. Okay. So then the last 15 minutes was king of the mat standing versus seated okay and where you're trying to use the technique you learned yeah yeah a and to help implement it use it exactly it to the game but but i i run my classes very specifically and i'll have purple belts in my class uh i'll have people who it's their first day in class yeah and because I take the time at the beginning of class to put things into context, hey, this is what passing guard means. Mm -hmm. These are the positions you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, the why. The first day people can fight with the purple belts. And, and to gain the objective. And so, so much of the way jiu-jitsu is taught is garbage. It's still that kind of like mm. old school Brazilian way. It's like, it's like you don't know the rules of, of the game. And don't dare Here's ask. a technique. Go out and try it. Yeah. I'm going to show you an arm bar from guard. Both of you are going to start on your feet and fight for five minutes. Yeah. It's like, what, what are you talking? What do you mean fight? Can I? fish hook this guy what are we right. doing here i think that makes so that makes total sense in regards to teaching and then giving the, the weight as to why you're teaching what you're teaching what is the objective this is cool or maybe it's not even cool but why is it important sometimes the shit that doesn't even look cool is so much more times than not now and i'm like uh as far as i've come it's like the little things are going to be the things that i appreciate versus like oh he can go upside down oh cool he's doing the inverted but if like things are sealed up and then you're just smooth through your transitions like that doesn't necessarily require acrobatics now um we're about to turn into a pumpkin because i gotta wrap it up but um i did i do really really appreciate you guys coming on in and i want to ask you guys before um is there any kind of like a message anything that you want to uh 
like ask not even you could ask if you want to ask me anything but anything you want to say to the crowd to the people that might be hearing it uh plug in anybody anything that you want any kind of fights you have promotions that you're part of whatever it is sponsors i just want to give you guys a platform you guys are awesome and i appreciate like your perspective and your and just the way the the things that you already said it rubbed off on me a lot so please if you have anything else it's it's still your floor Cool. I'll uh, I'll start to give Game Day a time to think about all of his sponsors and fights <laughs> coming up because there's so many. Um, the the main the main thing I want to say is um, I I I'm working every day with all of my effort, tirelessly and fanatically, to improve Texas martial arts. And anybody who's listening to this and anybody who, who is interested in fighting, you're always welcome to come train with me at 10th Planet Austin. And I don't care where you train, if you train, if you want to fight, if you have fights, if, if you want to... Um, it, 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 I need more bodies at my gym. I need to get my message out. More is gained through cooperation than competition. And as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's Texas versus the world. So, yeah. so all you guys in San Antonio, uh, everyone, anyone up in Austin where I'm at, a- anywhere in Texas, come train with me. I, 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 you don't have to leave your gym. I don't want you to to drink my Kool-Aid and, and join my team, but I want people to fight with. I, I want to, to get rid of these limiting scarcity mindsets where, where people can't cross train and people can't train with other people. So anyone who might listen to this, please come train with me. Don't be shy. Um, I, anyone and everyone is welcome to come train at 10PATX. And, and I, I hope you guys show up. And um, a- after we leave here, we're going to go train at a bunch of the San Antonio gyms. I might stop and see uh, our old friend Ray Rodriguez. My man over at USA. And uh, maybe there I might see my friend Donnie Blue. We're still figuring out uh, our schedule yeah. for the day. But, man, my, my message is come train with me at, at 10, 10th Planet, 10PATX, and everyone should train with everyone like martial arts is too small of a culture for us to be avoiding each other and fighting each other and and you know not we're we're all brothers We're, we're we're all part of the same team and we should treat each other better and we need to cooperate and unite and and Anyone who's listening and anyone who who agrees with me, come train with me or invite me and my guys and we'll come train with you. Oh, yeah. We'll make that happen, my man. I love it. I love it. Chris, man. Um, I appreciate you for having me on the Off the Mat podcast. That's <laughs> love. You, um, 
I do have a uh, I have a few comps coming up, few fights. I have a um, <clears throat> catch in the cage bet match August twentieth for sixteen hundred dollars, um, and uh, I'm also I'm gonna put in the contract I want his purple belt. It's not gonna be my own purple belt because I'm not a purple <laughs> belt yet, but I I do want his purple belt because it is strap season. I'm collecting nice. belts like I said. Um, September third, I have. A uh, bantamweight title fight um, in Austin, Texas, at the Palmer Event Center, and yeah, man, we're um, we're gonna get another belt, and it's gonna be uh, at home um, for the community. It's probably gonna be the biggest show out we've ever had. So, uh, and I'm also the main event of that fight. It'll be my first main event fight. Uh, I'm super excited for that. But it's not my first title fight, so I have I have a few. Uh, few five rounders but uh yeah it's it's the last fight of the night so that's super exciting it's a huge platform a uh, big opportunity for me from for my sponsors for my team so um yeah i have to thank my sponsors uh wakes to you uh they've been uh, a huge sponsor since the very beginning um i gotta thank uh, christian the barber i have to thank uh warrior cbd um i have to thank uh jen real estate uh She's a huge, huge sponsor, huge, huge support, um, and uh, she just got on the team recently, and uh, uh, she's helping me out a bunch. Um, and I gotta thank my coaches, man. I gotta thank Cody Hofstadter for for always uh, giving me opportunities and always putting me on platforms to uh, to uh, to showcase myself and showcase my skill set. Uh, I gotta thank my coach Andrew Craig, uh, doing the same thing, always putting me on a platform, always giving me opportunities to shine. And um, I got to thank all my jiu-jitsu coaches. I have to thank my mom. I have to thank my dad, my grandparents, uh, all of my support system. And it's super huge. I have so many people to thank. Uh, but there's a reason uh, why we're doing this. And uh, like I said, man, I got to thank everybody. So, yeah, and thank you. So Yeah, man. Well, of course, man. I appreciate that you came. I appreciate that you came. It was awesome hearing from you. I'm looking forward to seeing how your career unfolds. I know you're in good hands. It was a whole point why uh, why you even came here, man. Because I know that Cody's been putting in that work. I've seen him, and uh, it's cool to see the results so far. So I can only imagine how far you're gonna go, man. So the sky's the limit. Um, I appreciate the message. It was very powerful, very positive, and uh, man, I love it. I love the the perspective, and and you guys are always welcome anytime. So we'll figure out some time. We go over here to uh, to Tempe Austin, and uh, yeah, get the guys to go out there do a gym raid, and then uh, make sure we get after it. And uh, of course, you guys were always welcome. Like I said, man, you guys take it easy. Be safe out there, and uh, everybody listen. Appreciate you guys. Have a good day. Us.